0: You're listening to the Mutual Audio Network. Have a good day.
1: The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended.
0: From the stories of the past and the fiction writers of the future, the Mutual Audio Network presents Mutual Book Club.
1: A reading of the book entitled The Devil's Piñata. Written and read by John Bell. In the last exciting chapter, Stuff Happened. And now, more stuff will happen. Hopefully, something interesting. Chapter 5 The General looked askance at Buck and said, What the hell were we talking about? Buck shook his head. I have no idea. It was like two or three chapters ago. Clambake took out his Kindle and scrolled backwards. Is this it? Buck opened the door to the car, stepped out, stumbled, and landed on the only warm and reasonably fresh cow flop in a 30-mile radius. Oh, no, it was after that. Clambake scrolled forward. Somewhere around here? Copyright 2020 by John Bell... You overshot it. Blast! Blasted the General. Scroll, scroll, scroll. I think I found it. Here it is. I have a mission for you. About dang time, said Buck. That's it, exclaimed Buck. And about dang time, too. What is this mission you have for me? The general pulled a huge file out of a cabinet drawer. First, I need you to look at this file. I want you to memorize every detail. You need to know this file from front to back. All right, said Buck taking the hefty file from the general. Then what? Then I want you to use this file to shorten one of the legs on this table. It's wobbly. Which is the long leg you want me to file down? asked Buck. I don't know. I'm a general. It's not my job to think. Buck got on his hands and knees, looking under the table as he rocked it back and forth. There's the problem. But the solution is much simpler, sir. I like simple. Why don't we just take this file and put it under the short leg? That will leave them out. Amazing. I can see why you were chosen for this mission. The general lifted the table by its corner slightly as Buck pushed the file under the leg. Once it was in place, the general gently lowered the table back down. Success, shouted the general. I like the cut of your jib shot. Thank you, said Buck. I had my jib tailored. Since you did such a good job on that mission, I have another! This one involves the safety of the entire West! Buck was wide-eyed. You mean like California? Bigger than California! Bigger than Texas? The general bristled. Nothing's bigger than Texas. Buck had forgotten that the general hailed from Richmond-Rosenberg, Texas... And once he stopped hailing, the cab he hailed took him to Houston, then Galveston, where it was pretty crowded because it was tourist season. "'Then what west are you referring to?' asked Buck. "'The Hemisphere!' "'What Hemisphere?' "'The Western Hemisphere!' "'That's a little ambiguous, isn't it? "'I mean, if we're in one hemisphere and we travel west to what we'd call the Western Hemisphere,' then it would no longer be the Western Hemisphere because there would be another hemisphere to the west of the hemisphere we'd be in. Mr. Schott, and there's not only west and east hemispheres, there's north and south. Is there a northwest hemisphere or a south-by-southwest hemisphere? Would Hitchcock make a movie about that? Are there semi-hemispheres? So which of these billions of potential semi-hemispheres and does this involve the safety of? "'I'll make this more understandable for you. "'It involves the safety of my ass!' "'Ah!' said Buck, his eyes widening further. "'Plus everybody in a 3,000-mile radius of me!' Buck did some quick computations in his head. Then he pulled out a calculator. Then he scribbled some numbers on a pad of paper. His eyes went yet even wider. "'That would include me!' "'Yes!' said the general. But if your eyes get any wider, parts of them may be safe. Tell me of this insidious plot, General, exclaimed Buck, trying his best to get this book off the launch pad. The head of the Babenstand government has developed a super weapon. We're not sure exactly how it works, but we know its construction is almost complete. Once the last part of the weapon has been attached, it will stand ready to bring America and the rest of the West to its knees. Wow, said Buck. "'A plot. Who'd have thunk it?' "'Your mission,' continued the general, "'is to go to Babinstan and intercept the last part of the weapon before it's delivered. "'Then destroy the weapon!' "'Gee, that sounds like something you'd find in a bad adventure novel.' "'Yes, of course, I'll get right on it!' "'How do I get to Babinstan?' "'We need to get you there as soon as humanly possible.' There's a flight leaving tonight on Pan-Continental Airlines that connects in Atlanta, then direct to the capital of Babenstan. Shulbeat. You'll be there in 12 hours. No good, said Buck. I don't have frequent flyer miles with them. Oh, then how about the red-eye flight at 1 a.m. on South by Southwest Airlines? You'll connect in Atlanta and be there in 20 hours. They never serve meals on flights. Then you'll have to leave at 5 a.m. on Clock Mick Airlines and crop-dusting service at 6.43 a.m., give or take, that will land in Atlanta, take the highway through the city, take off again, and be there in 72 hours, if the wind is right and the chickens don't attack you. That's the one. Good luck shot, the general said, as he shook his hand. Thanks, replied Buck. That's a bad shake you have in your hand. You might want to get that looked at. (laughs) Chapter 6 The man that was older than Fla, when Fla was still in one piece, skittered down a back alley in Babinstan's capital city, Shulbeat, then hustled up a side alley, turned sharply into a front alley, ending up at a bowling alley. He kicked a sleeping alley cat and knocked on a large wooden door. A muffled voice from inside said, What's the password? Alley-oop, answered the man. ''Ah, it is you, Pinterest,'' said a muffled voice. The door slowly swung open, and Pinterest slipped inside. The guard helped him back up on his feet. ''Sorry,'' he said in his muffled voice. Then he removed his muffler and made a mental note to return it to Midas. ''I was busy waxing the floor when you came hurrying in my door.'' ''Stop waxing poetic,'' said Pinterest. ''I have the penultimate piece of our great and glorious weapon in this bundle. I must give it to the master.'' ''Follow me,'' said the guard, ''and grab him up. We can wax as we walk.'' The two furtively waxed their way along an underground corridor until they reached another large wooden door. The guard knocked. A muffled voice inside said, ''What's the password?'' The guard replied, ''Swordfish!'' There was the sound of a large latch being thrown. Then the door creaked open. Guard number 2 stood in the open doorway. Sorry, Guard 2 said. That's not the password. It isn't? asked Guard 1. How many guesses do I get? Just one. Can you give me a hint? Only if you can give me the password in the form of a question. Okay. Passwords for entry, please. This ant-eating mammal's name is Dutch for earth pig. Guard number 1. Oh, oh, oh. What is aardvark? You are correct. You have one entry to the secret headquarters, along with an Amana range and 3,000 clock Guard 1 jumped up and down like an idiot for a moment, then shot Guard 2 right between the eyes. I wanted a GE refrigerator, he spat. Moments later, Pinterest and Guard 1 were in a lush office. The lush was sitting in a chair behind a huge oak desk covered with huge oak leaves. He stood up, attempted to maintain his balance, then plopped heavily back into his chair. He placed his hands on the oak desk, crushing a few acorns, and used it as leverage for his second attempt. He stood up, swayed, blinked, swayed again. Am I standing? he belched. Pinterest bowed his head and replied, Yes, Excellency, I have brought you a bundle. Of joy? asked the undulating man. We had the baby? No, your exaltedness. It is the penultimate part of your super weapon. It's an ultimate pin? Does it write under butter? No, your incomprehensibleness. It's a doohickey that will bring your weapon closer to completion, so you can destroy the West and rule the world. This is starting to sound familiar, he admitted. He fell forward onto the oak desk, creating bark marks on his face. He snored loudly. Guard One said, It is good you called him on a good day. Pinterest gazed at the fat, snoozing lump on the desk, a tear forming in his eye. I am so honored to be in the presence of the one and only supreme mastermind, Laszlo Sonobovich! Laszlo stopped snoring just long enough to mutter, Hooray! He brought presents! Chapter 7 The asparagus stalk splashed into the ocean and began a long descent. Several hundred feet later, it settled onto the ocean bed, completely missing the ocean bureau and the ocean side table. It stood straight up, glowing green, ...swaying slightly in the water. A crab clattered by, ignoring the asparagus. The asparagus returned the favor. Chapter 8 The ancient Wright Shirtstrom biplane wobbled and shook... ...as it belched big blue clouds of exhaust behind it. Strips of canvas were peeling off the wings and flapping in the breeze... With every asthmatic cough of the engine, another bolt popped out. Buck looked to his left and watched an old, coughing, broken-winged duck <coughs> flap its way past the plane and disappear over the horizon ahead of them. Buck turned and addressed the pilot seated in the seat behind him. Can't this thing go any faster? Pops Kahanahay, the owner of the plane, answered back, What are you calling a bastard? No! Faster! Can you increase the speed? Pops angrily retorted, You peed in my plane? Deducing that communication was fruitless, Buck settled back to make the best of the trip. Luckily, there was an in-flight magazine available. But even that magazine, while in flight, was faster than the plane. Suddenly, a shadow momentarily enveloped the plane and its occupants. Buck looked up to see a sleek fighter jet bank hard, turning to fly right towards them. As it screamed in their direction, the wings started spitting bullets. Pop exclaimed, No spitting or screaming in my plane! The jet made a pass and zoomed off into the distance, thanking again for another attack run. There were bullet holes up the side of the old plane's fuselage, some leaking motor oil, some leaking extra virgin olive oil. We're under attack, Buck shouted to Pop. You already had a snack. Now settle down, young man. Buck knew that it was up to him to save them. He pulled out his Fenton Lancaster 5080 automatic from under his armpit. He winced as the damp gun's odor blew into his face from the wind in the open cockpit. The jet was zooming directly towards them. Buck took a bead. He rolled it between his fingers for luck. Then he took aim. He fired six slugs at the jet. They spattered on the jet's windshield, leaving blotches of slime. The pilot was momentarily blinded as he swooped around the biplane, desperately reaching for the windshield wiper switch. Buck knew that he had bought himself just a few extra seconds. He hoped he could take this purchase off his income tax as a business expense. He slid the magazine out of his gun. It was field and stream. He slept in a fresh magazine, this time not filled with slugs, but with actual bullets. He didn't have a second to lose. From directly ahead, the jet was again bearing down on them, and how that bear could fly. The jet was playing a game of chicken with the biplane, and that reminded Buck about how good a delicious Crispo chick snack would be right now. That fried sucker of a clucker makes your lips pucker, so eat it till you tucker! Out! He took careful aim. He unerringly shot off their own propeller. Suddenly, without power, the biplane dropped down, the jet passing directly over Buck's head. I meant to do that, he shouted to nobody in particular. Pop tapped Buck on the shoulder. Something's wrong with the propeller, he said. The jet circled around and closed in on the biplane once again. I'm gonna hit the silk, said Pop. Wait a minute, Buck said, as Pop stood up, put on a pair of silk stockings, smoothed them, then strapped on a parachute and prepared to leap out of the descending plane. I don't have a parachute. Shoulda chosen first class, explained Pop, and then he plummeted over the side. Buck grabbed the stick and tried to control the biplane. No good. So he threw the stick out and tried a branch. Still no good. This time he used the control thingy. Success! Buck had altered the plane's fall to where it was diving much, much faster with less, less control. The biplane shot past Pop, who was leisurely wafting earthward under a big white canopy. Bullets zipped past Buck's head, ripping the fragile airplane apart as the jet got closer and closer. Suddenly, the jet encountered Pop's parachute, sucking it into the jet intake. The engine overheated in a split second and disintegrated into a jumble of flame and smoke. Pop exclaimed, I do declare! As his chute disappeared, leaving him at the mercy of gravity. Buck again tried to break his dive with the control thingy, battling it with all he had. He pushed it left, right, another left, a right to the body, a quick flurry to the nose, some fancy footwork, then a roundhouse punch to the ribs. The plane was down, down on the mat. The referee began counting, one, two. Buck untied his seat rope and climbed out of what was left of the plane. It was down for the count but the Countess was up for anything. Buck ran away from the plane as fast as he could because he knew that in all books and successful movies like this one could be, contact John Bell for the rights, crashed airplanes always exploded the moment you got far enough away to have it knock you down but not injure you at all. Buck was knocked down by the explosion of the plane but miraculously wasn't injured at all. A shadow fell across Buck's face. He looked up. Pop was still falling. Pop plopped into a pile of pig slop. Breaking his fall, Buck immediately ran away from Pop. He was suddenly knocked down by Pop exploding. But miraculously, wasn't injured at all. A tear slowly slid down Buck's face as he recalled the last words Pop said before his Pop slop plop. Land of Goshen Buck's relief that he was still alive Was countered with the realization That he had no idea Where he was You have been suffering through hey. Alright, listening to The Devil's Pinata A book, to use the term loosely By John Bell Copyright 2020 by John Bell Creative LLC Look out, there's more next week
0: The Mutual Book Club, available on any of the Mutual Audio days, the Mutual Fiction Podcast feed, and the Mutual Audio Network feed. Thanks to the reader for today's performance, and please look for more classic tales and future writers next time at the Mutual Book Club. You're listening to Friday Follies. Jokes, laughs, and guffaws to tickle your funny bone on the Mutual Audio Network. Join us tomorrow morning on Mutual for Saturday Story Circle. Bring the kids your coloring books and crayons and get the whole family into a great start to the day with audio cartoons. You can always subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of audio drama that fits your fancy. Or discover Saturday Story Circle in your favorite podcast players like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.